0: So, uh Chris, have you ever been to a pick and pull? Just curious.
1: I don't think I have. Was that a prerequisite for the podcast? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hi and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All Podcast. I'm your host W. Curtis Preston, aka Mister Backup, and with me is my pick and pull consultant, Prasanna and Prasanna. <laughs> I'm good, Curtis.
2: Yeah, sorry you kind of struck out this weekend. I know you drove a really, really far distance in order to find some parts for your car, and well, I just didn't in have order it. to
0: in order to not find some parts for my yeah. car. <laughs> Yeah. For those of you that don't know what a pick and pull, why don't you describe what a pick and pull is persona?
2: So a pick and pull is kind of like a junkyard for cars. Right. And the point of pick and pull is they just have the cars there. You go with your own tools. You manually pull the parts that you need off of the cars and then you pay usually a fairly low price uh, for the parts. There's usually an entrance fee that you pay to get into the thing, but it's kind of a hit or a miss depending on what's available. Like they might be like, Hey, this car is available, but 90% of the car might have already been, the parts might've already been taken. Scavenge. Scavenge.
0: scavenge. I believe the word. Yeah. 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 So I, I had some minor, in my opinion, minor damage to my driver's side doors. And, um, it's going to cost me like $2,500 to have this minor damage repaired And so I'm like, you know, it's, it's, it's at this point, it's a car with 160,000 miles. I don't want to spend $2,500. So I'm going to go to a pick and pull and pick the right year and the right color and hopefully just grab a couple of doors. And I saw that this brand new, uh, well not brand new to the, to to the junkyard 2010 Prius. And I was like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll drive what was essentially 70 miles to get to this thing. You know, it's only been there a week. Surely it's it's ready to go. Yeah. No. I got there and that Prius had been stripped. Like yeah. <laughs> it was it was basically the well, frame. It was like the frame and some well, wheels.
2: I think the problem is because people realize like you could get parts for super cheap and just resell them. I think a lot of people just go to these I think pick you're and right. pull yards yeah. and they strip parts and then they just resell them on eBay
0: or Craigslist or whatever yeah. else and yeah. you can For those of you that the, don't know. So yeah, so I, I cuz I priced buying a used part from regular junkyards and the lowest price I can get for one of those doors is like $350. Whereas a pick and pull, I can get it for like a hundred dollars. So, you know, and in the end, I'm just cheap. People, people listen to this are like (laughs) Curtis is scrounging around junkyards. I'm like, yeah, you know, this is Uh, what I do on a Sunday. (laughs) It's (laughs) Curtis's hobby. Exactly. It's it's one one of my many hobbies and persona as usual knows a surprising amount of knowledge about, you know, (laughs) the, the pick and pull world and how many pick and pull junkyards have you been to persona? I've actually been to quite a few with my dad. Oh, growing you have. Up. Okay. Well, with your dad growing up. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I thought, so this doesn't necessarily fit into the category of stuff persona knows only from YouTube.
2: No, but <laughs> okay. I did learn a lot of the YouTube stuff much later than those visits. So
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it's time to bring on our guest and this is an in, it's an interesting, um, uh, he has a couple of interesting things about his bio. So first off, he apparently uh, joined the industry the same year I did, back in 1993, which is a you know the right after I got out of the navy, and uh, he joined the industry. But here's the really interesting part: he he's one of these interesting people that had like one job all that time at a company called Database Concepts, where. They they specialize in databases. So recently, he started a new company that is right up my alley. The company is called Verified Backups. Like it's one of those things where it's like the name of the thing is right in the thing. You know, (laughs) you know what? Like, what do you guys do? Well, we verify backups. Welcome to the podcast, Chris Marshall. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Chris, have you ever been to a pick and pull? Just curious.
1: I don't think I have. Oh, you, you, was that I, a prerequisite for the podcast?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was. Yeah this this is the this is the pick and pull episode. We're going to be talking about nothing but yeah uh, what it's I, like to roam around. No, it's going to be uh, pick and pull and
2: barbecue. Pick and pull and, and barbecue. barbecue. Don't forget barbecue. Speaking of which, so one of those YouTube channels I watch, a guy actually took a Honda engine and turned it into a grill where he actually (laughs) takes it with him places and he like opens up the valve cover. He has like a grill placed inside of it. And he actually like makes steaks and burgers and stuff for people
0: wherever he goes. That sounds like the weirdest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Uh, And I'll, I'll throw out our usual disclaimer. Uh, uh, Persona works for zoom. I work for Druva. And uh, neither of us are speaking for our companies. We're talking about our own opinions. And uh, please rate this podcast at ratethispodcast.com slash restore. And also, if you've got something to talk about in this space, um, you know, anything adjacent to what we do, um, you know, backups, uh, archives, uh, data security, networking, you know. I don't know Any, anything tech anything? related anything? really
2: anything <laughs> tech? <laughs> yeah, yeah re- we like much. to try
0: to relate it somewhat back to protection in some way yeah. um or, or storage or or whatever but um you know especially if you have backup stories right uh or archive stories we we love Curtis those love those mm. I love those you know backups gone wrong or, or or gone right if you had a really good like that we had that we had that the, the two guests on from the company that did the the disaster recovery after a hurricane that was massively cool i love that especially if you have something ransomware related if you mm-hmm. if you had a ransomware attack and it didn't go well yeah. or you had a ransomware attack and it did go well um yeah. we'd really love to hear from you Yeah,
2: wouldn't, like how we had tony from Spectrologic on talking about Absolutely. their experience yeah, yeah that was a great
0: podcast so uh with that i'll return us to our podcast Yeah, no, you don't have to be a a pick and pull enthusiast, but, uh, it is, it is a really, it's an interesting thing, Chris, if you, you go into this, like it's especially this one that was in San Bernardino, it, it was a giant, you know, and you have, they give you, you tell it which car you're looking for and they give you a row and a spot and you're like, okay, in my case, it was row 16 of like 75 rows of cars. Um, and then you go there and, And you don't know what you're going to get until you actually show up, Uh, which uh, interesting. And you know what? I did not do this on purpose, but it's kind of like the way most backups are. (laughs) It's that most people have their backups and they don't verify them. Right. And so uh, you don't really know what you have, sadly, until you go to do a restore in, you know, when you really, really need it. Uh, I suppose that's sort of the entire purpose behind your company.
1: Would that be a, a nice setup for you, Chris? Well, that's a perfect setup. Um, people don't check their backups. Uh, they often don't know how, and then there's a disaster and there's no going back. In fact, you talked about that in your book, Curtis, that sort of early on in your career.
2: Yeah. I know that's one of the things that Curtis always talks about is make sure you verify your backups, do a restore periodically. Don't just leave things
0: sitting there cause you never know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of funny though. Chris, I do talk about that a lot. And, um, one, um, but like one of the tech reviewers of the book, and I think we we actually mentioned this on just a couple of podcasts ago. Um, one of my, one of the tech reviewers, Stuart Little, um, the that's with a D by the way, it's not with a T. So he's not he's not a mouse; he's a person. Um, and yeah. <laughs> he 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 read the book, and that and that's when he was like, "Wait, where's the section on testing your backups?" And I'm like, "Holy cow! I can't yeah. believe." I left that out of the book, so the the testing section that is in the cr- is, is in the new book is definitely directly from uh, or as a result of uh, Stewart's influence. But yeah, I I had I've had many times throughout my career, um, and I can remember one particular um, company I was at uh, the I was consulting. Uh, I'll let them go nameless, but they they are a manufacturer of mobile phones (laughs) and um the i was working there and they had an ibm uh, it was 35 something I, i don't remember which generation it was one of the one of the ibm tape drives and the backups worked flawlessly but then when we went to go do a restore we finally did a test restore none of the tapes were readable Uh, To this day, I I, I still, you know, because I was relatively new in my career at the point, I I don't know exactly what happened or what would have fixed it, you know, in retrospect. But I know for a fact that they had made all of these backups where there were no errors in any of the backups. And then when we tried to read the same tapes in the same tape drive, um, the backups were 100% unreadable. Um, Have you you heard stories like that, Chris?
1: Well, there's all sorts of stories um, I've seen with clients where they made a perfectly good cloud backup of a nine month old SQL database copy. Mm -hmm. And so they were getting the little confirmation every day. Mm -hmm. But when they got ransomware, this was about a year ago, uh, it wiped all of their stuff and their SQL data was nine months out of date. So, and and I was brought in to try to help clean it up. They just had no idea it wasn't working.
2: So they were doing periodic backups and it never actually worked, the more recent ones. Wow, crazy.
1: Yeah. So they had, yeah.
0: So the, the, the best backup they had was nine months old. That's
1: uh, right. for and a
0: database. That's a really long time. I don't, you know, I know <laughs> I'm telling, you know, I'm talking, preaching to the choir there, Chris, but that's a really long time in database land, nine months.
1: It's not a really good RPO, is it? <laughs> it's not. Nope. Yeah. Th-
0: thanks for bringing up that term. That's a good term to throw out for those that don't know RPO and RTO, recovery point objective, recovery time objective. So um, RPO is basically the amount of time that you agree, the amount of data that you that you agree that you can lose, right? So you say, I can lose one day's worth of data or one hour's worth of data. Um, and that's the objective, by the way, really important to mention that that's the goal uh, or the requirement. And then RTO, how long can can the restore take? And one thing I always mention about RTO is that it, it's it's from when the failure happens to when the application is back up. It's not I'm the backup guy, and now the server's restored. I'm done. No, no, the RTO is measured from when the bad thing happened to when people are using the database again. And I'm sure you probably run into that a lot uh, as well, Chris, right?
1: Sure. Well, most people, if you ask them what their RTO is, couldn't even define it (laughs) or explain it. And and even if you told them what that term meant, I mean, it's not just about losing people with um, acronyms, but if you said, well, look, how long is it going to take? The answer I get is, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Or the scary answer is, well, I have to order a new hard drive for the server. Ugh. Well, well, that's not going to be yeah. a 24-hour deal. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's sort of like they assume if everything is perfect, then it might take whatever their normal RTO is. But it's like they're not accounting for all of these other issues. Like I need to replace a server or I need to add a new hard drive.
0: Right. And, and, and I, th- I think that's one area where the cloud does really help. Right? Is that you? If you use the cloud, uh, you know, as part of your recovery um, process, you can literally push a button and poof—you have yourself a fully ready-to-go server that you could define up front, and you're like, boom, let's turn the server on. You can't do that with, you know, pick your favorite server vendor. Yes. Um, you know, even Amazon with their—you uh, can't, you know, Amazon Prime or what? Isn't there mm-hmm. like an Amazon Now? There's an Amazon now um, that not not for servers, but but they're, they're, I'm pretty sure there is an Amazon now that basically the you get stuff within an hour or two hours. But mm. I don't think Amazon now has um, has uh, servers, servers, hard drives. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they don't. <laughs> yeah, Amazon now is AWS. That's the, the Amazon yeah. now for servers. <laughs> cool. um, so uh, yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned uh, Chris. You mentioned this this company that. They had a good backup and then uh, things just stopped uh, working. It sounds like Um, the the nine months uh, situation in in the case of that particular customer. Yeah. So their, their backup was fine. And then for nine months it wasn't fine, but they didn't know it. Do you, do you know like in retrospect now, what, what had happened to their backup?
1: They were backing up their SQL server to a local hard drive, and then sending that off to the cloud, mm-hmm. and so process A, which was backing it up to the local hard drive, uh, had a glitch of some sort. I'm not sure what was happening. Right. Uh, but the time I found them, I was helping them take their nine months and still have a company. Right.
0: So yeah, and this is, that brings up another sort of running. I don't know what the running issue that I have with the way many people do their database backups, and it's especially databases, and that is. The, the, the dump and sweep method, right? Uh, I know a lot of people use the dump and sweep method, but you need to make sure you address the issue that either side of this can break and you need to know when that happens, right? So the, so in your case, it sounds like they were backing up to a, either, either two things that could happen. They could back up to a local hard drive and that could be failing for some reason. Or they back up to a local hard drive and there's a synchronization to some other system, like in this case, the cloud. And that synchronization process can fail as well, right? But what I've seen just as often is, well, the original backup stopped working. Meanwhile, the synchronization process is running just fine. (laughs) It's synchronizing a backup that was made nine months ago, right? Um, and so you you if you're using the dump and sweep method and you're not using a system that coordinates the two for you, um, which is the most common method, I, I think one of the reasons why dump and sweep happens a lot. And Chris, you you know, you've dealt with a lot of DBAs. DBAs like to do their own backups, right? They, they like to run that right. dump. And so one of the reasons for that is that they want to run that dump and then they let somebody else get it off off the server. Um, and the problem with that is that you have two different groups coordinating these two different steps. Yeah. yeah. That's a, go ahead. And,
2: and I think also one of the things that happens is sometimes something can change, um, in terms of when that backup happens, when the dump operation happens, it could go longer. So now you end up with inconsistent backups, oh, that right? Too. Maybe. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's kind of one of those things where you want a loose coupling so everyone can do their own jobs, but they still need that coordination to make sure yeah. that they're doing it in the right
0: way. Yeah, that that would be uh, yeah, a similar one like you said, you you know, so the you you you're like the the backup normally runs 1 hour and so we schedule the 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 backup of the backup at an hour yeah. and a half and then suddenly something happens, the database gets bigger and the backup is now taking 2 hours and you're getting a great backup every day of something <laughs> that's changing while you're backing it up. <laughs> that's not Yeah. That's not a good thing. Um, the same thing
2: also applies for retention, right? You want to make sure you keep those backups. The first dump you're doing, right, long enough to make sure it actually gets swept away, and that you're not just constantly deleting it before it gets moved offsite.
0: Right. It's, uh, Chris, is is that? Are you finding that in your experience? Is that the most common method? Is the the dump and sweep method?
1: I am seeing that a lot, um, but then I have equally many clients who you know, without an on-site tech resource, mm-hmm. really, if I ask them, can you please go make a backup of your database would have no idea what, what to do. <laughs>
2: um,
1: and that, so it's the oxymoron. I can't afford a full-time tech guy, gal, right. but I don't know if it's happening otherwise.
0: That's, that's, ter- that scares that's me. Scary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's really scary. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I go ahead. Go ahead, Persona.
2: So they bring you in to help figure this out. But what's your recommendation at that point? Is it here are the steps you should be doing in order to make sure your data your database is being backed up or is it go hire a tech person? Like <laughs> what do you how how do you approach that?
1: Well, my recommendation is let's automate the whole process and build safeguards in um number one you know the old i know curtis loves the method of backups where people put a usb drive in their server every day and then they take (laughs) it home and they always switch it out and they always make sure there's free space never so nothing and nothing
0: bad ever happens to that usb drive while they're uh
1: right it it sits in their briefcase on the dashboard of their car and it's 110 degrees (laughs) in california so if you don't take that human element and engineer around it, you're gonna always have that problem. And and I've seen so many situations. Yeah, I've got a USB drive, it's a month old, it's been backing over itself every day, and we have no idea. Uh So, you know, I try to engineer around the human failure aspect, and then around the fact that, number one, I could walk into a company and ask them to make a backup of their database, and offer them $100 and nobody would know how to do it. (laughs) And if it got done uh, and I asked them to verify that that worked and that they could do a full restore from that database and here's another hundred dollars, like nobody, I mean, my money would be safe. <laughs> yeah. But I'm pretty but sure but if you asking, could increase that to a million dollars and it, <laughs> it wouldn't change. Right. You know, well for a million dollars, they'd hire Curtis. <laughs> I'll even but, do it for less than a million. There you go. So we're going to negotiate right here on the podcast. Uh, but but people this is you're asking people to do something that they don't know how to do. It would be like asking me to replace the engine in my car. You know, Curtis is a car wizard, I'm not. And so people are at a disadvantage because they know they should, but they don't know how, they don't know if it worked. So we take all of that out of the equation. For the record, Curtis is
0: not a car wizard, but he's Apparently more of a car wizard than you <laughs> so that's okay uh, i could do i could do stuff i could much. do like i could do a brake job no. i can do uh I, I think the biggest thing i've done is changed changed out a head k ca- yet no a head gasket i've actually changed out a head gasket uh and that is a big big job but um i i, I have the I, I get the book you yeah. know i get the book and you know, and I can I can follow instructions. I'm really good at
2: following instructions. Follow directions. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it it's a really helpful if you have pictures. So, um, go ahead.
2: Yeah. So, Chris, so in your opinion, right? A lot of what you do for these clients is you help them sort of figure out, okay, how do you automate everything, take yeah. out that factors. Uh, But that's kind of for getting their backups going, right? And I know your company, Verify Backups, right, is really about, okay, how do you verify those? Is that also fully automated?
1: Like, what do you you provide? So thank you. Um, What I start with is I make a local backup of the company's database. And at this point, I'm focused on SQL Server just because it's so preeminent, but this will work for Oracle as well and some other uh, processes. So on the hard drive of their database server, I set up a five day rotation so we can always go back a day or two, you know, some disaster recoveries, you still have the server available and you just need to have that instant access. So we do that, but we're fully three, two, one rule compliant. I know Curtis will want to talk about (laughs) three, two, one rule. (laughs) Um, so then what I do is I encrypt that backup copy with government level encryption. So it's AES 256, and then I push it through a secure portal to my server on Amazon. And we'll talk about geography and all that. But on my server, I decrypt it, restore every backup. So I know that every SQL backup that you made is restorable, seven days a week. Okay, and the second thing I do is identify, um, and this is all scripted, but identify date sensitive uh, fields in your database, and make sure that they have current data. So in the case of a payroll, this is Monday, I should see payroll data through Thursday or Friday of last week, right? If that's an active payroll database, okay? If that happens, I know that your whole process has worked end to end, nothing's broken. Then the last step is the client and their MSP, if desired, gets an email, Dear persona, here's the database, here's the table, here's the field, here's what it says date-wise, I'm not putting any sensitive information out there. And here's the current date, so this is considered a verified backup. Seven days a week your data is restored, seven days a week your data is date-checked, seven days a week you get an email, or you can have that as a weekly summary. Um, That's what I do and I simply can't find anybody doing that. (laughs) That's actually pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, I
0: like the yeah, I like that idea because you know, we 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 talked earlier about the the, the company that that had the 9-month old database. If you're looking at the actual data um from you know, a, a particular field that's time sensitive that if that date suddenly you know is 2 weeks old, um yeah, I guess like with payroll, it'll be t- it'll be less than two weeks old all the way up until (laughs) up until the day of payroll um there there might be some ability to to recognize pattern and you you're saying you automate this whole process
1: correct so every day my current clients get an email at whatever time in the evening and i get an email and you know i was in key west for a week and it just happened Mm -hmm. so Um, There's no sort of user intervention.
2: I know you mentioned you would talk about sort of the geography locations of where your service is located, right? And going back to the three two one rule, can you kind of cover that a little? Kind of where does so? I get that you do a local backup to the database Mm -hmm. server, so they can do the quick restores if needed within five days, Um, and then every backup sort of gets pushed to your through the portal, right? your location Correct. and sort of can you talk about how you meet the 3 2, one rule of backup
1: for well, a customer so first of all we have a copy on the local server mm-hmm. that 99.99% of the time did not exist before then we push it to my AWS server in Ohio and then I wanted to get as far as I could and still stay in the US and so I'm in Oregon with my backups and it's snapshotted, it's fully operational. So uh, your data is protected, it's encrypted in transit, it's encrypted at rest, and it's in multiple geographic locations. So I'm hoping Curtis will let me stay on the show at this point.
2: Yeah, no, for a three two one rule, Curtis. <clears throat>
0: yeah, I think that's definitely three two one compliant. <laughs> um, yeah, the the um, I mean even, even just uh just having it on-prem and then uh, in ohio uh you know I, I think that would comply but then you know making sure that it also uh is uh in a, in a in essentially a third location i like that i like that a lot so um what one and i'm sure you've you've come across this with with customers one concern that i would have with this methodology is that you as a vendor uh you know in order to do what you're doing, you have to unencrypt my database and you therefore have access to sensitive data. How do you handle that
1: particular objection? You know, that's a fascinating question. And here's how I would do it first of all, I would create the local backup on your server. Mm-hmm. And then I would push the data to an <clears throat> offsite location that you control. So let's say that you have something on Azure, <clears throat> I'd push the data there and run my scripts and processes on your server. So we would set it up via like a shared dial-in and then I would have no further access. But every day my process is still validating your data and issuing an email.
2: Okay, so you offer two approaches. One where you're verifying everything in your AWS account, if you will. Another where if a customer needs that security, they can run your
1: verification in their account, if you will, or on their servers. To That is absolutely, yeah, that's absolutely correct. there's a couple things I can monitor either way, you know, to Curtis's point, not only is the payroll data current, but did I get a backup today at all? Because if you remember, you know, in, in grade school, your teacher would say, you know, anybody who's not here, raise your hand. (laughs) So the, the equivalent of that is dear Mr. Malayandi, you know, it's been two days and I haven't seen a backup copy of your database at all. We need to investigate. And Adding that level of verification doesn't compromise any of your secure information. It just adds a process that you probably don't know how to do otherwise.
0: No, I like I like that. I I, I definitely like that notification, um, and I like that it's a notification that things are good as well as a notification mm-hmm. things are bad. Because a lot of people, when they build in notification for stuff like this, they don't notify. Uh, they don't do a notification for good. They only do the notification for bad. And the problem with that is how do you know that, you know, the process is working, right? Um, right. So so let me, let me just clarify, you know, what you said. So I, I could have this in my account and then I guess you're installing or I'm installing something from you on the, mm-hmm. in this case, Azure uh, server, so that you can, because because you're, you're going to automate this process. This is this isn't a human being from your company Correct. logging into my server, um, and so basically, you've got some code that's going to run on my server um, that it will then notify you, notify your process. I, I'm just trying to make sure, trying trying to verify that there isn't a mm-hmm. there isn't th- this doesn't give you a backdoor into my. My server, I
1: guess is what I'm looking for. No the, the great thing about it is the only output of that entire process is an email. okay And if you want, we can specify that that email will go only to you and I'll have no idea. but that means you have to monitor it and you have to make sure that you know whoever's not here today raise your hand. <laughs>
0: no yeah so I, in I, other words, yeah you have
1: to have a monitoring yeah. process for that. Um,
0: yeah, I have I, no problem with the email like, you know, even as a, a security minded person, I have no problem with with my vendor being notified that my backups are good. Right. Especially if you you're ensuring that it doesn't have sensitive information. What I was trying to make sure was right. by installing your code on my server, um, I'm not giving you a backdoor into, you know, your your some ability to log in or uh, that you're controlling this process yeah. remotely or. Um, uh, so ha- have have do your which way do your clients tend to
1: prefer those of those two methods where one is on your yeah so far everybody's fine with me running it no mm-hmm. uh, because these are consulting clients i've worked with in the past anyway in many cases so they've al- always trusted me with their data mm-hmm. and that's not been a thing but
2: you give them an option Ready. though, right? In case there yeah. are some objections, there are both models and one probably requires a bit more knowledge to set things up in the beginning, right? right. Because they need to worry about their accounts. But the other is you handle everything in 10 for them. Simplicity. sure. <laughs>
0: but, it's, but it sounds like you have a lot of clients that don't enough. even have a backup at all or they don't even know how to make a backup. So you're, you're offering them you're offering them a level of automation and a level of data protection that they, they don't have at all. Um, and so maybe that those same clients would be a little bit less concerned about the kind of things I'm talking about.
1: Well, you raise a really good point. And a lot of my clients have an MSP of some flavor or other. And the universal response I get is, well, my MSP is taking care of my backup. So I'm good. Mm. <laughs> And I know you guys have never heard that. <laughs> yeah. um, but as I, I just got off a Zoom call with an MSP right before this, and their answer is their clients have SQL. They don't know if their SQL backups are good. And in some cases, when the client has a disaster, they hope that the backups have been working. Uh, because not all MSPs, being on the networking and hard drive and virus protection side, are really good on the DBA side. And I think when they say, we hope it's been working, like hope is not a good (laughs) business strategy.
2: Yeah. And I think one of the things that we've also talked about in the past, Curtis, is even if you do have an MSP or whatever else is providing you a lot of the production level services, it's probably good to have a separate backup vendor or a backup solution that is outside the scope. So you kind of isolate
0: those two environments, if you will. Yeah, I'd say two things there. One is uh, I, I think it's a good practice to uh, – th- the thing that you should assume is that your MSP isn't doing crap with reg- <laughs> with regards to backup. Don't assume they are doing it, which is the default <laughs> that the right. people seem to have for MSPs and SaaS vendors, right? Like, like Microsoft 365, they, they, many of their customers assume that their stuff is being backed up. Um, so the default thing that you should assume is that, that there aren't any backups. And then I, I do think that, um, and yeah, you know, I'll, I'll throw it, this is coming from a guy that works at a third party backup vendor. So I, I get it that some of you are like, well, of course he thinks that, you know, I, 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 I I've always felt this way, right? I, I've only worked for Druva for like three years and I, actually, I'm, I've only worked for Druva Almost. for coming up for, on um, four years and. The the idea it, 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 it's a little bit like the three two one rule right just mm-hmm. that if if your if your IT and your backups are run by the same entity um th- basically if if they're really competent everything's fine but we're not you know very very little of the time are 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 we worried about the competent stuff it's it's when it's mm-hmm. when incompetent happen or bad things happen you know i'm going to go back and mention the the ovh fire that we talked about right mm-hmm. so that that's a perfect example of where you had a, a service provider so this was an ias vendor in europe and they offered a backup service and their backup service even said that the data was triple replicated and replicated to a physically isolated server And what we learned after the fact, based on what happened to the customers of that service, was physically isolated Mm meant we put it over in a corner. Bad server. You've been physically isolated from other people, right? And and it was in the same data center. And so when the OVH data center fire happened, and it destroyed their entire... I mean, that's just just a horrific event that happened. Um, And it it was one of those like... um, Like they had a fire suppression system, but it wasn't, it was, you know, we talked about, it it was, it looked like it was something like thermite where basically there there was no fire suppression system that would have been successful there. But that's why you separate the data, right? That's why you separate the backups. That's why I do like the idea of having a separate vendor doing your backups.
2: Yeah, and if for those who want to go back and listen, go listen to episode 106, How do you prove your backup service is real? Where we talk about the questions you should be asking your cloud provider to figure out if the backup service is real. And like Curtis mentioned, other OVH episodes include 107, OVH's backup service didn't work, and 109, can OVH properly redesign their backup infrastructure?
0: Yeah, back we to you, we. We ended up talking a lot about OVH, Um, you know, it was because it was such a big incident. And so, yeah, uh, Chris, this idea of of having someone else do your backups or someone else verify that your backups, uh, you know, I I definitely
1: like that idea. Thank you. Um, I even have a number of MSPs who want to offer this service to their existing clients and I do a revenue share for them because then they can close the loop and actually bring in an outside vendor. And, and everybody wins. The yeah. MSP actually can sleep at night.
2: I was actually going to ask you if MSPs were looking at your service because I think that would totally yeah. make sense it's for providing an end-to-end protection for their customers.
1: Right. And, and then the person that you've trusted with your network for however many years is bringing in another solution so it just all feels great.
0: Yeah, th- that would that would give me uh, that would give me a, a, an exception like if, if your MSP is using a third party service that is then being verified, this is the key being verified by a third party, right because sometimes mm-hmm. the MSP is they're using a third party like we have we have MSPs that you that use Druva, right um, and the the but like for example, Druva is a service that you use, uh, and, you know, obviously, we highly recommend our <laughs> MSPs to use Druva. Um, but just because someone is using a backup service like Druva, it doesn't necessarily mean that they've configured it properly. Right. Um, I mean, it, 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 it's kind of hard to misconfigure, I think, the Druva backups. But it is possible, for example, not not selecting an important server to be backed up. Right. Uh, or not right. monitoring the reports that are being sent to you. Um, as <clears throat> I know we send quite a bit. Uh, so yeah, so I, I, I can imagine that would be an interesting with you, Chris, where if they're using you as a third party to verify that their process, so they're managing
1: the process, but you're verifying that the process works. Exactly. And and it's ideal. It's, they are selling a house that they don't have to build. This is not (laughs) a service that they have to create. This is a service that exists and is tested and they can install it. Customers happier, MSP happier, and revenue share is nice in anybody's book.
2: I was going to ask you, Chris, about um, as you're doing these verifications, I know sometimes you get these very large databases, which take Mm -hmm. time. Or if you have, and I don't know if uh, you have many customers doing sort of fulls and incrementals and logs periodically, or if a lot of what your process, your dailies are all just fulls. But as you start to look at larger and larger databases or more and more complex backup and restore requirements, Mm -hmm. how do you sort of manage to fit all of that in in terms of restore verification? Because I'm sure at some point, some of this takes a while to run and it's Mm -hmm. physics, right? You can't change time, (laughs) right? And how long (laughs) some of these things take to run. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: Thank you. So, you know, the target for my service you know, has 20 or 50 or 100 gigabytes of SQL data. So this is not Boeing, right? This is not, you know, some of these companies. I have partnerships to take care of those. But in the space I'm working, I am making a full backup of your database every day. Mm. Uh, It's just so much easier to piece together, especially in a stressful time, than here's a full backup and here's 27 increments (laughs) that we have to restore and hope that none of them, you know, because you know, that's the, like the modern version of having a bad spot on your uh, backup tape is having a bad increment. So uh, I'm doing the full service. And the great thing about Amazon is the scalability of it. So that's how we address that.
0: That was one thing that I thought of when I when I thought of your process. Uh, I liked that you encrypted data before it's sent. But the fact that you're encrypting the whole database before sending it means that you're going to send the entire thing every day, which means that Mm -hmm. that can only scale so far. But with the the size of data that you're talking about, I I think that's probably fine. Yeah. And I think for a lot of customers
2: having that daily full, it's a good feeling to have, you know, because it's only one copy I ever need to go to. If I ever need to restore my data, it's that one copy I need to go to, which helps in terms of RTO and everything else. So I think it makes sense.
1: It's just the simplest approach that I can find.
2: And especially you're going from customers who aren't even doing database backups today, right? This is like a million times better than what
1: they're doing today anyway, right? So well, they may be doing an overall backup of their server, yeah. but they don't know. And number the second thing is, if their entire server dies and they have to wait for a new machine, you know, I can have them a SQL backup in a few minutes, even if it's already backed up globally. Um, there's a few advantages.
0: Do Are they able to actually run that backup from where you're at, or are you just using it to restore their, their database?
1: I'm just using it for the restore test. Okay. So I have a full SQL server running on my Amazon instance, mm-hmm. and that's what we're restoring it to. So we're actually doing a full SQL database restore mm-hmm. because anything else, and it's just theorizing that it will restore. Yeah.
0: Well, do you? Yeah, but I, I think what I'm saying is you you mentioned that you know their their server might take this amount of time, but I can have them. At, I can have a full database ready to go. Mm-hmm. It, I was inferring from that that you're saying you're going to provide a functional database for them while their server oh, right, is right. being restored, and, and that's not the case.
1: Not at this point. No. Okay. Okay. What's interesting about what I've done and really Druva and anybody else, we're data companies that are not about data. So this is really about. You know, do the men and women that work for that company have a job the next day? And it's not being over dramatic, but in many cases, there's a data loss, there's a company loss, and we can actually change that.
0: Yeah, there are there are many um, stories of you know we call them RPEs, right? Resume producing events. There are many stories of bad things that have happened in the backup and recovery world where. Um, the, basically the, the person doesn't have a job the next day, right? I, I can think of a number, um, you know, I can think of a couple, I, I've spent a lot of time being in Southern California. I've got a lot of friends in the media and in, in entertainment space, right? Um, I can think of the time that um, uh, Forrest Gump, the movie Forrest Gump, the, the, the uh, release date of that movie was pushed, due to a failed restore at one of the companies that was doing one of the special effects for the movie. Um, and, uh, and yes, the, that person, <laughs> the, I think I'm not sure if they fired the backup person or if they fired like the CIO or the director of IT or something like that. But, um, and you know, I can think of the, the famous, I love the story for those of it that haven't heard it, the story that happened at toy story, right? It was toy story two the failed restore that happened to toy story two. If you, if you go on YouTube, uh, just type in toy story Two backup story and they've got an animated story of what happened, uh, which, which was a great story and, and an ultimate success, but it had in the, in the middle of it, absolute disaster where the, they, um, someone, uh, basically typed r minus r star right uh on all of the the data that was happening you know all of the the animation that was happening and when they went to go look at the backups the backups were uh you know many many months old and um and but that they and this is a huge you know huge company uh and they they ultimately it was saved by a, a, a copy that had been replicated to a woman's house because she was home on maternity leave. Uh, mm. just, just <laughs> as a, right? So uh, it happens to big and small companies alike, Chris, right? Um, it you does. Know, and, you know, I, I think with the smaller companies, the I think the main issue is that they just don't have anyone like me at their company, right? They don't have someone who focuses a lot on data protection. I think there are many, many companies that can't afford a dedicated backup and recovery person. And there are uh, many, even more companies where I think what happens is no one raises their hand and says, you know, no one wants to start asking questions about backups because they know if they do that, then suddenly they're gonna be in charge of the backups. Right, um, they own it. so that yeah, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't start asking questions because somebody will put in charge of it, and nobody wants to be in charge of the backups. Uh, and that's why I'm a fan in general of, of you know any service like this, Chris, that that outsources a you know such a, a really important uh, part of the thing. So so thanks for starting it. I wish you wish you all the best of luck. And people can find it at uh, verifiedbackups.com. Right, that's it. Easy peasy. And
2: Easy peasy. then I think you're also running an offer, right? For the listeners of I am the show. running an offer.
1: Yeah, I am running an offer. Um, it's very simply from the date that this podcast airs, which we don't know quite yet, uh, 20% off of our service for any company that signs up for verified backups from the podcast for that 30-day window. So it'll be a month from the airing. Um, but the, the second really cool option is um, I am including in that a copy of Curtis's latest book, which is Modern Data Protection. And Ooh. that will be sent to the company as soon as they're signed up, because it's a great book, it's a great read, and really the word needs to get out there. It's gonna talk about every aspect of backup, not just what I do, but the more informed we are, the better decisions we make. So um, that's very simply, it's a little long, but modern Data Backups dot com, modern data protection dot verified com And that's for 20% off for the first month that this airs. So thank like you it. for the reminder on that mm-hmm. persona. Oh, no, thank you. I think it's a great service. I think our listeners, if you
2: need to do backups, right, especially around SQL, you don't have anything today, right? Please reach out to Chris, talk to Chris, right? Mm-hmm. It's an awesome service. He provides everything automated and he also verifies your backups, which is, really really important in the grand scheme of things <laughs> it's,
0: a, it's a big yes. stinking deal Agreed. alright well uh, thanks Chris for coming on the podcast
1: thank you gentlemen this has been really a great uh, great time
0: and uh, thanks Prasanna for uh, asking all your great questions as usual <laughs>
2: I try I try <laughs> thank you and, uh, thank thanks you Chris
0: to, and thanks to the listeners and be sure to subscribe so that you can restore it all
3: file but i deleted it to bad your backup system isn't worth a spit finally i needed your backup you had a chance to fix it instead it's all jacked up see how I'll, I'll write on facebook about you don't underestimate the things that i will do There was a file, but I deleted it Too bad your backup system isn't worth the space It'll be completely done.